You're listening to Chicago Writes, a podcast of the Chicago Writers Association. this episode of Chicago Writes, Christina D. Rodriguez, on poetry, plus what to consider when publishing an art book with Paul Sagadin. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. A quick announcement from our CWA calendar. Registration is now open for the 2023 CWA Writers Educational Series. Sessions range from complimentary to $20 per session. Registration is required for all. Paid sessions are $15 for members and $20 for non-members. June 10th, 2023, Story Structure and Editing with Tim Storm. September 23rd, 2023, What Makes a Successful Website for Authors with Celeste Anton of Dandelion Web Marketing. And on November 11th, 2023, Fear of Success and How to Overcome It with Lori Shear. This is a free event, but you must register as space is limited. To learn more about each session, check out the education page at your writer's resource, chicagorights.org. Wright City Magazine is currently open for submissions. Wright City Magazine is published by the Chicago Writers Association. We welcome fiction, nonfiction, and quality poetry. Every story has essential elements which make it worth reading. Prior to submitting your piece to our magazine for consideration, please ensure that your story has the following elements. Your story begins in the middle of the action. You have introduced a protagonist. The protagonist has a goal. Something is at stake. Something or someone prevents the protagonist from achieving the goal which creates conflict. There is an inciting incident or complication that forces the protagonist to act. There is a unique tone, voice, and writing style. The setting is described without slowing the pace of the story. The dialogue is realistic and serves a purpose. Please be sure that your work has been proofread and or copy edited before submitting. See our submission guidelines before you submit your work. Include your full name, the title of your submission, your email address, and website link if available, plus a personal photograph and a short 150 word bio. Include the title of your piece and the subject line. While submissions previously published on personal blogs are acceptable, we do not accept submissions previously published in other publications, including those that have been self-published. Upon publication, we pay $50 to CWA members, $25 for non-members per prose piece, and $35 for members, and $10 non-members per poem. If we have passed on one of your submissions, please wait 60 days before submitting again. For prose, please submit no more than one prose piece at a time. Prose should be single-spaced, Times New Roman font, and no longer than 1800 words. Submit in Microsoft Word, not PDF. For poetry, submit no more than three poems at a time. Poems should be single-spaced in a Times New Roman font. Email your submission 
to editor, Wright City Mag, all one word, lowercase, at chicagorights.org. Please keep in mind that submissions may be edited. Now is the time to join Chicago Writers Association. It's open to writers and authors anywhere in the world. Unlock a wealth of writer and author resources, programs, and benefits for just $25 per year by visiting chicagorights.org or click on the link in the notes below. Chicago Writers Association membership, by the way, makes a great gift. And now my conversation with Christina D. Rodriguez, author and poet. Christina D. Rodriguez is a Latinx poet and entrepreneur from New York living in Chicago. Her poems have appeared in Tupelo Quarterly, Yes, Poetry, Rust and Moth, Satin Soul Bits, and elsewhere. Her work has also been published in various anthologies. Christina is an award-winning poet. She has performed at the Chicago Public Library, the New York Poetry Festival at Columbia College in Chicago. She is a board member of the Chicago Writers Association as the organization's uh, social media manager and poetry editor for CWA's The Right City Magazine. She is also a contributor to the Instagram poetry book, Book Club, Can We Discuss Poetry? Christina D. Rodriguez's first book of poetry is a beautifully textured collection titled Knees in the Garden from Corencia Press, released in February 2023. Knees in the Garden is available in paperback, hardcover, and Amazon Kindle at barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, and independent bookstores near you, which we prefer. Uh, You can visit her at crodonline.info at Poemlust on Instagram and bookshop.org backslash shop backslash Poemlust. We'll, uh, we'll post all those in the notes below. I, by the way, I really have to get get, uh, get guests without such amazing resumes. If that isn't enough, <laughs> Christina, by the way, moderated the poetry panel at this year's Let's Just Write conference from the Chicago Writers Association. For those who missed uh, Christina's panel, we're going to recreate it in its entirety for you right now. Um, okay. <laughs> welcome, welcome to, to Let's Just Write. How are you, by the way? I'm fine. And, you know, and we're, we're not gonna, we're, we're not gonna, gonna recreate the, uh, the entire panel, but, uh, <laughs> how, how, how did it go? Um, it went really well. Um, the audience really responded to of the panelists mm-hmm. and um we had a great discussion a little bit about craft a little bit about publishing mm-hmm. and i hope like for future panels we get to talk more about the process of publishing books because um yeah. the process for publishing poetry books is definitely different from fiction and non-fiction and so, we're going to talk about that in in yeah. just a minute but let's just write sold out uh is two days enough? Maybe. Yes. No. <laughs> as as a person who's behind the scenes, yeah. two days is enough. But yeah, maybe yeah. for everyone else, they they need a little bit more. Um, we may be changing the format in the future, but who you guys, knows? You guys That's put also in a not lot up of to work. Me to say, yeah, you know? yeah. For for people who don't know, you guys put in a lot of work to 
pull this all together. If it wasn't for um, Samantha Hoffman, who yeah. is the conference director, this wouldn't like this wouldn't come together the way it does. The majority of the credit does go to her. All right, all right. Uh, so let's do this. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, and okay. let's start with with a poem. I like repent. I'll let you choose which poem that uh, that you want to start us off with. No, I'll start with repent. All right. Repent. When the devil's gone international and God asks for a napkin, you open your palms like the world is a mass, waiting for parts of his body to be placed on your skin. The slow smile of an accident quickly falls beneath your tongue, held parts of the beloved in your mouth like a benediction. Months later, you still taste the earth shattered in the outfall of your ocean-ridden body that tries to forget time, waiting for the wind to pass along a peace be with you, where kryptonite does not weaken you to the knees, wiping your mouth clean of decorations at night to pray. Dear God, today I wrote a poem. I saved it on a napkin for you after the devil tore my dreams in two scattering forgiveness across your sky. Now can I be saved? I love that poem. Um, I, I loved it right off the bat. It's one of my favorites by you. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind that particular poem. Ironically, I was at a poetry reading when I, like before I wrote this poem, and mm -hmm. it was a little bit of a running joke between um, me and one of my friends about um, this guy who was like, he looked so hot and he was like the devil. But it also had me thinking about a situation I was in like back then. So then it just all like came together after that first line. Mm -hmm. It just is pieces of, of situations that I was a part of, but also a a part of a joke and I, I would be great I'm very grateful for that poetry reading because like it is one of my favorite poems out mm -hmm. of the book I'm grateful and shout out to Cappy Cool Culture um this takes place in New York they've been running for about I think 16 years I think they just celebrated their 16th yeah. anniversary wow. um they used to do the reading in Brooklyn but now um after um you know these past couple of years with the pandemic mm -hmm. um they finally had an in-person um event and that took place in manhattan i believe i love the fluid nature of your of your prose how how intuitive are these poems for you in other words how quickly do they do they make it to the paper and and do you spend much time polishing them or do you do you prefer the the rawness of the emotion dictating or informing the nature of uh, of a poem? A line comes to me, and mm -hmm. all of it like you know rapid fire, and then yeah. at other times that line comes to me, and then like the other parts of the poem like it'll take forever. Mm -hmm. There have been poems that have taken me months to write, 
There are poems that have taken me like an hour to write. It just all depends on what's going on at the time, Mm -hmm. whether I'm in the mind space to like truly dive into the poem or if I need to create that time by, you know, like putting aside time and being like, okay, I'm going to work on this for a couple of hours and see where it goes. So it really ebbs and flows. You know, as, as a novelist uh, and, and a writer, I put it this way that sometimes I need to mature into, into a passage or into, into a, a, a piece and that informs the sort of time delay. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking either, either consciously and, and subconsciously about that piece. And then, and then it'll come to me is, is that kind of the same for, for those, those longer duration poems? Yeah. 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 It's about the same. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Great. There's, there's a, there's a synergy there. Um, Writing poetry is, is a skill. How does someone who wants to write or properly appreciate poetry start? Oh, that is a loaded question because it's different for everybody. Yeah. Like for me, it was a teaching artist in middle school that came into my social study class. Don't Uh ask why social studies. It should have been English, but (laughs) talked about poetry, gave us an assignment. And from that first assignment, I was just hooked. And I started. Well, what was it that hooked that hooked you up about poetry? Well, I guess I guess the the opportunity to express my feelings. I'm a quiet person by nature. Yeah, pretty shy and really shy as a kid. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I could do is express myself through writing. Okay, I was the young girl who wrote letters to her crushes. Who wrote in a diary. Mm-hmm. So a poem gave me a chance to be a little bit more public with like certain feelings, even though okay. there are some poets that will write poetry and you'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily Dickinson, you know, we uh-huh. didn't know about her until long after she was gone. Yeah. For me, like after that that class um i started like picking up books of poetry just random books Mm -hmm. because i was 13 at the time i didn't know like what i should be reading yeah yeah. um i got a little bit more guidance throughout high school about like who to read and like different types of like poetry i could write Mm -hmm. um different forms but also luckily I was a teenager just when, like, you know, everything was coming on to the internet. You know, I took that homework time to research how to write poems, and I was on forums. And there is there is the academic poet who, once they get to college, yeah. they major in creative writing. Yeah. They'll do a master's in creative writing. They'll have a thesis and all that. That wasn't me at all. I did major in creative writing for a little bit, but I also didn't realize that in undergrad, while you do get to do some writing, Mm -hmm. where you really get to do writing in um, an academic career is during your graduate school years. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I also had other interests. So for me, I just, you know, I was doing a lot of stuff online, doing a lot of research. 
And then I found like other poets and then I found communities. It actually wasn't until about 2013 where I took my first online workshop and then I met more people. Um, Some people were local, some people weren't. Um, And I started going to like um, poetry events in New York Mm -hmm. and getting into that community. How did you overcome? Because you said that you were shy um, and this this was a way to to sort of get those emotions out. How did you overcome that shyness to to finally get up on stage and express those those feelings to the world? I have to give credit to the Brooklyn College um, Poetry Club. Okay, when I was an undergrad there, mm-hmm. um, we had a couple of shows and. Everyone was just so encouraging, and the community I had there really lifted me up. So it made me brave to like start reading my poems. But it was it was really scary. Yeah, it was really really scary. I mean, honestly, I could I could bring in someone right now who could tell you <laughs> what it's like because um, I met my boyfriend there. Okay, um, I met him at poetry club, and now you know we live together. Um, but. <laughs> I did stand-up comedy for for a little while, many years ago. And the first time I got up on stage was the most terrifying. And, and, and I've been I've been to war and combat was was the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced in my life. It took that first chuckle, that first laugh. And then the door so, sort of opened on on everything af- after that. I was I was more relaxed. I was ready, you know. I, I was ready to 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 speak and and say things and uh, and and express myself, but it 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 really took that first that first laugh, which was kind of a mistake, me saying something innocuous and and dumb and unplanned, but but it really it really helped. It was was that the case for you when you got up on on stage and and that first response was cathartic? Wow, that was so long ago. Yeah. Um, you know, for poetry, you know, people will snap if they find lines that they like. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then they'll they'll applaud at the end. So yeah. hearing those snaps and yeah, hearing the applauding at the end, that made me feel like, oh, okay. A so validation. I yeah, I do have something here. You uh you also wrote about uh that you you began with music that that yeah. music was your first love but you don't write lyrical poetry no for me um i mean i've always been a lover of music you could read it in the um forward of my book where like i had like a walkman when i was six years old and i was listening <laughs> to like jazz i actually have a degree in music production okay for me like i threw myself into everything about music learning how to like make music how to work with artists Mm -hmm. like I I I did Mm -hmm. all that but I was also still writing because no one like really told me like oh well you could like do this yeah um when I was in college it was more like like you know you could like like I knew you could major in creative writing but you know I got more details when I was actually in college about like what I can do with that yeah. So when I finished up with my associates in music production, I decided, oh, well, maybe I'll give this writing thing 
Mm-hmm. I try because I've I've gotten to to do this. I've gotten to do the music thing. To be a woman in music production, mm-hmm. it, it, it it's hard, and yeah. you didn't have many people leading the way for you. Now yeah. these days, there are so many leaders in the music industry that mm-hmm. that help young women. You didn't really have that when I was when I was like going to school for that. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the same way. So I was like, you know what? I know that I have the support in writing, so I'm gonna switch to writing. But then I didn't like how the creative writing program was ran. <laughs> so then I switched to journalism. I've kind of been a little over the place when it comes to the arts, but that's also because I also love everything in the arts. Mm-hmm. I was I was reading um, Knees in the Garden, and it sparked something about research for my book, uh, A History mm-hmm. of Light for the Artist, which is very nearly complete. The first recorded literature appears as poetry or song about 5,500 years ago. Communal work songs, these call and response pieces, are archaeological vestiges uh, of our ancient most communal language. There is a growing body of evidence to support this thesis. And I'll I'll read this from Science Daily uh, and the University of Exeter in Great Britain uh, from October 9th, 2013. Scientists at the University of Exeter use state-of-the-art functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI technology, which allowed them to visualize parts of the brain, uh, which are activated to uh, process various activities. No one had previously looked specifically at differing responses in the brain to poetry and prose when volunteers read one of their favorite passages of poetry. Excuse me, that, that cold thing is really kicking in here. Uh, When volunteers read one of their favorite passages of poetry, the team found that areas of the brain associated with memory were stimulated more strongly than reading areas, indicating that reading a favorite passage is a kind of recollection. In a specific comparison between poetry and prose, the team found evidence that poetry activates brain areas such as the posterior cingulate cortex and the medial temporal lobes which have been linked to introspection that to me adds weight that the first spoken language by our species was was rhythmic and even perhaps rhymed and and we can we can look across our our animal ancestry to see the rhythm uh, the rhythm of sounds and languages and how that could have progressed. I, I I would love I would love a poet's reaction to to that. Well, first of all, this is the first time I'm hearing this, so uh-huh, uh-huh. thank you for sharing this. And that resonates a lot because, especially when you you hear poetry, yeah. you know, it's not just about the words but it's the musicality and how someone Mm -hmm. says something and even sometimes when you don't get like what someone is like really talking about at all sometimes it's it's just that resonance that just stays with you that's just universal and lifelong there is there's little more that connects us than love and spirituality right and within that comes all, all sorts of things like purpose and meaning, religion, yeah. loss and excitement that adds textures and rhythm to our words. I, I think it was uh, was uh, 
Jorge Luis Borges that said, to fall in love is to create a religion that has a fallible God. Yeah. Talk about that in relation to your work, because your work is is mixed with this this dynamic mix of of, of spirituality and and love and religion all all at once. So I was raised a Catholic. Yeah. Not the best Catholic in the world, but I was raised a Catholic. And the one thing that I loved about um going to church and going to Sunday school were yeah. the stories. So I was always fascinated in like the myths of um the sacred and the profane. Mm-hmm. Um bringing that together and how even just something so simple in your life just says like the, the the people you love whether it's a romantic love familial love yeah. um platonic love with friends like mm-hmm. how you create gods out of these people because you 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 meet someone and you think the world of them yeah. and so you put them on this pedestal and you know they just become like a god to you and but they also they have their faults and you have you could get shattered by them as well you you um, render that really really strongly in the way we ask for it okay i've never really talked about this before so this might be a little difficult but not so much because okay. i am a person who is open to talking about these things mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It was about a near sexual assault that I went through mm-hmm. with someone who I was like kind of involved with um, back in college. You know, it's in two parts. The first part talks about like what actually happened mm-hmm. and how it went down. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is what I wish I I, I could have done and how I would have felt and how I would have been empowered. Yeah. And it, you know, that feeling came to me much later as I, you know, grew older and became someone who's was more aware of mm-hmm. my sexuality and that I'm in charge of it and that whoever tries to take away my agency, like, you know, no, just no. It, it comes from that. It it comes off as this beautifully textured piece. You you do it in part one and part two or yeah. Yeah. My wife reacted very strongly to it as well. And I think I think therein lies the power of that piece is that uh, one in five women have uh, admit to experiencing uh, sexual assault. And that is probably just the tip of the iceberg. It's probably closer to probably one in two or one in three. Um, yes. For me, like, it was more of like an almost versus like Mm -hmm. you know it actually happened and you know I was so shaken up by an almost Mm -hmm. you know all the women that it actually like something happens to it's just it's devastating and the way that the world is set up we don't get to tell the truth people don't believe us they try to like create these narratives that make it into our fault and it's it's not other people make decisions to make moves and they don't listen to when we say no and they yeah. just continue going and it's just oh 
I, I hear you. In in that regard, is writing poetry uh, like that? Is it cathartic? Is it a Band-Aid, an elixir? Is it an accusation or a validation of melancholy, but but of that pain? And and here also I'm thinking of of your poem Generations La Familia um, with uh, with its uh, many perspectives. It it can be. It yeah. definitely can be. Um, with that particular poem, it's about you know my family life and mm-hmm. my my view of like what I've learned about like my parents and how their lives were and then what I experienced Mm -hmm. as a child. Um, There was unfortunately um, some domestic violence and that's all I'll leave to that. A lot of families face it. Yeah. 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 Because if my mother ever listens to this, you know, it it, it becomes becomes a commonality. Yeah. It becomes a, it becomes a common, a common theme for, for a lot of people, which I think is is yeah. part of the communal power of poetry, right? Yeah, and you know, it's something that we don't talk enough about. I I can't pretend that I know everything about like what everyone goes through in their families. I just know what I go I went through in mine. Yeah. And I just know that if you know one, I would never like judge anyone who's in a situation like that and I would just try mm-hmm. to like help out the best way that I can mm-hmm. and this is one of the ways like just being able to write about it I I don't know if my mom has gone to like this part of the book yet and mm-hmm. and and read that poem mm-hmm. and she may be like oh well why are you writing this since and it's like because it will help somebody else it- and you know we also come from like different generations like her generation we don't talk you know we don't talk about these things but my yeah. generation you know we're trying to heal from these things absolutely so we do talk about it yeah and this poem is actually in an ethology mm-hmm. where um it is actually about gender-based um violence i've heard from a couple of people like oh this poem really touched me this poem really helped me um, the person who put together the anthology was like, you know, a lot of people have reached out to her and told her, like, you know, that my particular poem, like, they really felt the message in that. And this is like, yeah, this is a reflection of, like, something I've been through. That's all I really want to do with any of my poetry, really, to have someone see a bit of themselves yeah. in a poem. Do you write uh, poetry in Spanish as well? A little bit, yeah. I, I do have some poems that are just... Spanish, but those poems are the ones that I'm most terrified to put out completely in the world. Yeah. Or to perform because my Spanish is not that great. Like I know how okay. to like read <laughs> and write, but speaking Spanish, I didn't learn when I was like from from very like young. Yeah. I learned in school like everyone else. My okay. parents, I'm guessing because they both had parents that spoke only Spanish and they went through their own things with having Spanish only parent. Mm-hmm. They didn't want um, me to go through any of that. Of course, now they have their regrets like, oh, we should have like, you know, did better yeah. in teaching you. And I did well in school, but I don't like the way I sound when I speak Spanish. Okay. Because I, I've talked with with people who are bilingual and, and write bilingually 
if if there's beyond structure, if there's thoughts or feelings that can't be translated uh, properly between between languages. Oh yes, absolutely. There there have been times where it's like I I really don't know how to express this. Mm-hmm. So then that's where I turn to Spanish and add like a line or two, or I've had like at least um it's usually smaller poems where i'll like write completely in spanish because i don't know how to say this in english and there are also some things where i don't want it to be obviously known right away unless you you know can read spanish like mm-hmm. you know it's sort of like a secret for me in a way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think the the amazing freedom of textures that you bring uh, you bring to this book uh, is is astounding. Uh, you write a poem using Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I I was just curious about it. I was like, oh, what what would it be like if I did this? And would someone take the time to figure it out? B e o v e d. Beloved, yes. <laughs> so obviously, you were going for. The rhythm of the dots and the dashes a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. but a little bit of just like i wanted to like write about um there's like a person in my life who is beloved i just didn't want it to be known right away that i was writing about this person okay there's actually another version of this poem that is not out there and obviously not in the book that instead uses that person's name. You mentioned Emily Dickinson. I I found I found some strong parallels to your work and and Emily, uh, but also a bit of of Frida Kahlo for her darkness, her visual darkness, and Rosario Castellanos. How much do you read Spanish poems? It's not a part of like my everyday poetry reading, but okay. who, quite who often are, I do. Who are your favorites? Poets in general or Spanish poets? Uh, oh, oh, poets. Poets in general. Poets in general. Um, okay. One is Sonia Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I love writing haiku, which though you do not see haiku in this book like that. Yeah. Um, I do have another manuscript that's full of haiku and, and short poems that, you know, hopefully I'll get out into the world soon. Is there a um, secret to writing haiku? Not to me, not to me. Um, yeah. I I do follow follow the rules, but I also know to to break them as well, especially um, in traditional Japanese haiku. Mm-hmm. Um, three seven five. Um, you're writing about nature. I'm not always about writing about nature, so <laughs> I stick to more um, like the American style, where you yeah. really write more about experiences and feelings. But sometimes I still like at least follow the constraints of or five seven five. I'm sorry, three. Oh my gosh, because three lines. <laughs> it's five seven five for all you um, listeners out there. There you go. I, I I'm a big fan of Pablo Neruda. I I felt like as I was reading this that you have this Spanish heart which is torn between romance and revolution, um, which creates this constant melancholy. I once had someone tell me that I live with a melancholy in me, but that's what makes me so interesting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I found that a lot in And Now You're Mine. 
that that particular poem. You use faith as a parable for love and relationships, such as your 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 piece holy. Like I said, I've you know, I've always had this fascination of mm -hmm. the way we turn people into gods. And I, I I can't I don't know if I could truly explain why I do this, why mm -hmm. my work turns this way. It's just second nature to me. Mm -hmm. You didn't go the the self-published route. You went uh you you submitted to to a, a, a regular publisher. How did that work? Let me say that submitting um, poetry mm -hmm. um, to a small press is different than submitting to a traditional publisher with fiction and nonfiction writing. Okay, how so? First of all, there are very little agents for poetry, so you're not going to like have an agent push your work. You still have to, to, to query, but it's not the same way as you query for fiction and nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Not to say that it's lapsed because it's not. You mm -hmm. always need to have professionalism no matter what. But it, it's more of, it, it depends on like the requirements of the press. For uh, my press, I just needed to send an email in the manuscript. It's all based upon your poetry. So, yes. you know, you, you can, you can, you can give a, a quick, sentence or, or or synopsis of of a novel or a story that you wrote uh but you can't do that with poetry no you you really can't probably like with books that have poetry in it but yeah. also mits other elements like there are novels and verse so yeah. you probably could give that you know yeah. pitch line but yeah, for like a full book of poetry or even chapbooks, it's you usually have to send in the work, or sometimes you send like a small sa sampling. Mm -hmm. It all depends on um the press, and then there are also contests. Like a lot of the time, there are contests that people can submit to to see if they could get their work published. And for that, it's not usually the whole manuscript. Yeah. Um, some of them it can be, but most of the time it's just like a few poems. You received awards. Do you lead with that in a query letter? How how do you begin a query as a poet? Do not lead with the awards, especially because more of the awards are more of like opportunities of being able to like do certain workshops or so forth. Okay. Okay. It's not the same as like, you know, I mm -hmm. got this award just in general as a recognition of my work. Mm -hmm. One day I will have mm -hmm. that. And then I would leave with that. <laughs> um, no, I won't. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I just say, like, um, I came across your press or your publication. I usually try to make sure I, I read something. Yeah. If it's a literary magazine, I read for a couple of issues. If it's a press, I may invest in, like, buying a book. I'll mm -hmm. talk about, mm -hmm. like, oh, I've I've read this and I really liked it. And I think my work um, would... Um, align with what okay. you're looking for 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 your um, press or your publication. So you're more looking for for a fit or 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 at least promoting yourself as as a good fit for for their their list. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Can uh, can we trouble you for one more poem? Sure. All right. What what are you going to do for us? I am going to do Sources of Rays. Mm. Sources of Rays. One, 
When I come home with his belongings, I'm stuck with everything on top of my closet. In the dark, even papers haunted, his pulsating whisper of a ghost challenging my shivers to death. Two. Mommy always wears shades at night, a disguise everyone knows at night when her ethnicity of her paranoia walks the streets. UV latex ink under nails carries the scent of cheap vodka, the reflection, a frothy can of bud light. Three, the tableau of clouds and blues above the examination table glows. I can't bear the thought of staring at them for another hour. Give me the pills. Four, through the streams of stinging water, I see the stain of a god fracturing. Five, every time I step on a stage, the daunting task of transformation is left to the ego of the spotlight. Six, the blue light framing the outline of my eyes as I enter another contest to be denied. Seven, Lakeshore Drive is a blur of zipping headlights, of breaking red, the lull of the slant of eyelashes close to the end, all roads ahead. That comes to us as fragments of of these uh, these deeply personal moments. At first, when I had written the poem, mm-hmm. I you know it was just like a straight you know everything. The lines were straight, mm-hmm. but then I started playing around with like the spacing, and I realized that within it there is like other poems within it mm-hmm. like I read it as if you would um read it like you know straight across but you mm. could also read each poem like you go down one side to the other mm-hmm. so I'm stuck on top of a ghost at night paranoia walks under nails the reflection the examination I can't bear for another hour give me the pills of singing water of a god fracturing, the daunting task left to the ego, framing the outline as I enter to be denied, a blur of breaking eyelashes closed to all roads ahead. Once I realized that there was something more to it there, I just was like, all right, like I'm, you know, I'm just going to play around to this until I get it. And you know, it wasn't easy. It definitely was not easy because then I was concentrating so much on the right side that, you know, I had to make sure that the left side with everything of my closet in the dark, even papers haunted, his pulsating whisper challenging my shivers to death. Mommy always wears shades, a disguise everyone knows at night when the luminosity of her, the streets, UV latex ink carry the the scent of cheap vodka, a frothy can of Bud Light, a tableau of clouds and blues above table glows the thought of staring at them. Through the streams, I see the stain. Every time I step on stage of transformation is of the spotlight, the blue light of my eyes, another contest. Lakeshore Drive is of zipping headlines, red lulling the slant of the end now outside you know you see that 
there are parts where they don't quite mesh together, but I did that um, in sacrifice to the right side of the poem. So mm -hmm. how that came together, it was just craziness of my mind, really. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's really, I could say. But I think um, that's the magnificence of of this book is is you you kind of present a full spectrum of all the different or many different types of poetry uh, of of the rhythm of the word from these, these sort of paragraph like pieces that are that are uh, uh, stream almost stream of consciousness to to a more structured prose right. The paragraphs are a stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. All of those that look like a paragraph, those are just prose poems. Mm -hmm. Some of them do have a structure. Some of them are a stream of consciousness. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's whatever felt right at the moment. Right, it's, right. Yeah. You know, some of these poems, like, range from mm -hmm. I wrote them back in college to writing them just as recent as two years ago. Wow. So we have years and years of just like learning and unlearning and just different ways of how I've formed the craft for myself. Did you did you rewrite any of those earlier poems or did you just leave them leave them the way they were they were originally written as as sort of that moment in time? Um, it was more like line edits than anything else. I didn't okay. do any major edits because, yeah, yeah. you know, at the time, I that's the way I wanted them. So because otherwise you, was, you sort of lose the 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 intent, the original yes. intent. Yeah. Yes. Um, if there is a poem where I felt like I really needed to rewrite it, it yeah. didn't end up in the book. So <laughs> wonderful. Christina D. Rodriguez's first book of poetry is a beautiful and passionate collection titled Knees in the Garden from Quencer Press. Uh, and uh, Knees in the Garden is available in paperback and hardcover at Amazon uh, and Amazon Kindle at Barnes & Noble and Amazon or an independent bookstore near you. Visit her at crodonline.info and at Poetlust on Instagram and at bookshop.org uh, backslash shop backslash poem lust we will uh, post links to christina and the book in the notes below let me just say this quickly the chicago writers association is a charitable 501c3 nonprofit organization you can support this program by clicking the subscribe button to receive notifications about future episodes and by sharing it with the writers or lovers of, of literature and poetry in your life our theme song midnight ride is courtesy of dino olovchich and just like this program, it is available on Spotify and Apple iTunes. And Christina, that was wonderful. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. If anyone wants to reach out to talk poetry, they'll mention um, where you could find me. Please find yep. me through the channels. Um, and also, the book actually has its own website, kneesinthegarden.com. Okay. So that's also a little bit easier for anyone who's just like, oh, I need to get this book right away. Just go to kneesinthegarden.com and you could get the book there. All right. Uh, we will we'll post a link to that as well.
You're listening to Chicago Writes, a podcast of the Chicago Writers Association. And before we go, recently I was honored to write the afterword for a new art book titled Leopold Segedin, The Holocaust Series, Drawings and Paintings, 1967 to 1979. For artists, poet artists, and writer artists, I spoke with Leo's son, Paul, for a bit about what to consider when producing an art book, from layout to finished product. Paul Segedin with brother Benjamin are on a mission to maintain their father's 80-year artistic legacy. Prolific Chicago-based artist Leo Segedin turned 96 this year and still puts in an average of six hours daily. Man, uh, his website is leopoldsegedin.com. Paul and Ben produced two books of Leo's artwork. Three books. Uh, three books. Three books of Leo's artwork. I had the honor of writing the afterword. Uh, for Leo Segedin's latest book, Leopold Segedin, The Holocaust Series, Paintings and Drawings, 1967 to 79. It brought up a number of questions about producing an art book, which I thought would be important for this audience. Uh, Leo is currently showing at the Noise Cultural Arts Center, 927 Noise Street, Suite 200 in Evanston. Uh, and the number there is 847-328-2100. Get over there now uh, through Tuesday May 30th, 2023, as we said in the rehearsal, um, 96. So maybe uh, maybe another 15 or 20 years for Leo before he retires and takes a vacation, right? We're going to keep him chained to his drawing table and you know squeeze whatever we can out of him. There's, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm reading all these articles that, that, that the lifespan of people could be as, as great as 140 150 years old and if if that's the case as lively as your dad is he's going to go to 160 170 <laughs> <laughs> so your dad's first book leopold segedin uh a habit of art uh is available on his website leopoldsegedin.com so there's plans for the new book to be up there as well yes yeah i, I got to add the uh add, add it to the website yeah, but you can always you can contact me uh, through the website also mm-hmm. if he wants to place an order before I get to that. So let's let's start with cost uh, and number of copies. This is this is an odd size book. In other words, it's not it's not the standard paperback size. It's it's larger. It's a square book. Talk yeah. about talk about the cost of of printing uh, each of the books for your dad. The, well, the, the first book was the expensive one, the the habit of art, mm-hmm. uh, the habit of art, uh, the hardcover. It was the hardcover, yeah. and uh, at that point, I didn't know of any good options in, in the states, and the uh, so we had it shipped out to China on, mm-hmm. on the advice of uh, some publisher friends of of, of mine, and uh, I, 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 they did a great job, but it was a very time consuming job and a. A very time, uh, very expensive job. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up working with a, actually, we actually worked with like a middleman, uh, a company out of Louisville, I think. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I guess, sort of, sort of a broker for this sort of thing. Okay. Uh, but they, they were they, they kind of communicate with the printer for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we gave them the files, uh, but the the printing process from the time we delivered the files, I think it took around four months. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, it, you know, it, it was delivered on, on the literal slow boat from China. Uh-huh. Uh, 
but it, you know, it got here, it uh, took the boat and I think, I don't know, train or a truck from Los Angeles and <laughs> somehow made it to a, uh, that, 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 self-storage place kind of, I think next door to where you live, just mm -hmm. down the block from where you, where you I can, live. I, I can see your dad's book, uh, sitting on a train, taking up damn near every seat on the train. Yeah. Well, it was, it was two <laughs> pallet loads. And uh, so there's no way I was going to fit it in my home or, 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 or my <laughs> garage. So I had to rent some space for that. Uh, you said that that book was a bit more expensive. About, it was about... very expensive. We ended up doing about 700. Well, I think we ordered 600 copies. 600. And for some reason, they delivered 720. I still don't know why. Uh, but it was uh, like a, I don't know, like a twelve, thirteen thousand dollar $13,000 job. Uh, and... It was the, I, I knew I was only going to need several hundred copies, but mm -hmm. at that point, once it's on the printing press, the additional copies aren't that much more. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I figured this was like a once a one and done sort of thing. So you know, we ended up getting some some more, and then they gave us more beyond that. Mm -hmm. So you know, I'll have them for the rest of my life. I'll probably be buried with a few of them. <laughs> uh, That's a, a smaller book as far as page numbers than than the the new book. About 150, so I think it's similar to the new one. Oh, it is. Okay, uh, okay. I think it was about 150. Uh, yeah, the, the new one was 150. I think it was nine inches by nine inches. Okay, maybe not a standard size, but with the printer we use, it didn't seem to be an issue. It didn't. Yeah, uh, affect yeah. the price. And you uh, said that that cost roughly about two thousand dollars for for a hundred copies. For a hundred copies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, you know, full color on the cover, full color inside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it's like a you know, flat matte paper with like a, a, I think they give it like a, a an ultraviolet coating even. Okay. So, uh, you know, those are like little, you know, little extras that are probably worth doing for an article. What does, so, so what does the ultraviolet coating do for the. Well, here, let me see what their website says. Okay. Uh, it adds exceptional depth to the paper with a high sheen. You know, oh, no, I, no, I'm sorry. We use the flat matte. That's the ultra gloss. The flat matte lends a rich, subtle matte finished appearance to the paper without mm -hmm. adding a glossy shine. So you can go flat or you can go ultra gloss, flat okay. matte or ultra gloss. And you preferred the the flat. Yeah, yeah we wanted it flat. So you also went a little heavier on the paper, a hundred yeah. pounds, right? Yeah, they give a couple they don't have a lot of paper options. It's either like a hundred a hundred pound or eighty pound uh, text for the body. We went for right. hundred which for an art book, I think makes sense. You, you want to have your paper. I think it'll hold the ink better. Uh -huh. And, and yeah, you don't have any, any seepage or, or anything from the no other No bleed or, yeah. Through. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that translucency as a parent from page to page. Yeah. Actually, just looking at, at their, like their, uh, the estimator on, on the, the website, the difference between the 80 pound text and the 100 pound text is about, 150 bucks for 100 pages, 100 copies and 100 pages. Okay, okay. But that's a little more for the the heavier weight, but it's not uh, not nothing extreme. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then you also mentioned uh, a, a mutual friend, David Hauptschein, who does digital art, but he also uh, intersperses that with text. He's a, well, he's a digital artist, but he's also a playwright. Yeah, so I've done two collections. Uh, of five plays each of his in Alchemy of Flesh was one of them and yes. uh, 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 When the Walls Have Ears uh, mm -hmm. we've done those uh, yeah, he's a different printer for the, for the text-based text 
text-based books, a company mm -hmm. called Book Baby for, for those. Mm -hmm. And if you know, a text-based book is significant, significantly less expensive. Mm -hmm. So like, like for a, a 250 page book, uh, if it's text only, uh, so in other words, no color on the inside, mm -hmm. uh, you're looking at, at about a thousand dollars as opposed to closer to 2000 for the hundred copies yeah. uh, for a hundred pages, a hundred copies. So uh, yeah, a lot more, a lot less expensive to do that, do a text-based book. And so for, for your book, uh, for, for Leo's book, that was smart press. Yes. Yeah. The, the two paperbacks and the two art books I've done for David Hopshine have both been through smart press. Okay. And, and they've been good. Uh, I've been happy to, to work with them. Nice. And if you know, someone hires me to do the book, I, I, I am the middleman that I'll, I'll, I'll work with the printer mm -hmm. and the uh, author's uh, behalf. And the the reason, so the reason that I uh, that I reached out to you was I thought that this would translate. Uh, I just spoke with, with with a poet who produced a book of of her poetry, and I, I know that that a number I, I know a number of poets who also who also are artists, visual artists. So I could see this format being essential. To that process, uh, a mix of poetry or prose or short stories and an artwork. Yeah, I, I think it works well together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to add the color? You are going for a for a greater expense. Yes. Yeah, you know, if you're if your work if your work requires the color. So the the color in your and and I've been I've been privileged enough to see a lot of your dad's work in person, and the color in the book is very true to your dad's your dad's work yeah we're, we've been very happy well both with the, the first book the, the one that was yeah. published in China, yeah. but the two that we've done domestically we've been very pleased with mm -hmm. and uh i've been very happy with with the work uh with, with the, the printing of his books but that begins with with the the photography but, or well, the scanning in in david's case it's providing since it's all digital to begin with it's mm -hmm. it's, it's providing me with a high resolution image okay so he had those pretty much you know at his fingertips uh for my dad's work uh, we use a combination of photographs uh slides mm -hmm. and images that he had scanned at, at, out in uh elmhurst by a company called oco brown which i'm sure a lot of your artist clients or your, your artist listeners will be familiar with mm-hmm they're the main. I think one of like the main sources for for getting pieces scanned and for, for getting yeah. high resolution prints. In publishing a novel or or a book of text, you know, you you can format it in Word, transfer it over to to a, a, a PDF, and then send it out that way. But you're really having to format every single page, yeah, correct? I, I use Adobe InDesign. Which I'm not an expert at, but I figured out enough of it to to make it work for me. Adobe uh, uh, Adobe Design, that... yeah. Okay. Um, so you know, if I'm working with an author, I have done I did a collection of short stories for a playwright or for a, a short story writer named Harry White, mm -hmm. and he just gave me the copies or the uh, text in Word. I was able to bring that into InDesign. Okay. Uh, we, you know, we can work in a, a lot of different ways. Do you so so you do this commercially? Yeah, I'm like a freelancer. Okay. But yeah, for so for everyone I've worked with has been you know, is just looking to self-publish. So uh -huh. I help with that. So if we had someone who was interested, would they would they could they reach out to you? 
they, they can contact me directly. Um, I don't really have a website at this point for, for, for the publishing. I probably need to do that. I, I was using a publishing, uh, uh, the name uh, Outbound Ike Publishing for a while, just because I kind of like the name. Mm -hmm. I, I made it up for my dad's book because a lot of his early work dealt with a lot of ruins and demolition. And what was being demolished was, was uh, the, built, the, the neighborhood to make room for the Eisenhower Expressway, the Ike. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I've always liked how, like, if you listen to the traffic reports uh -huh. on the radio, they always refer like, to westbound traffic on the Eisenhower as the outbound Ike. So it just sort of made sense. So I, it's that's where that name came from. That's that's brilliant to know because I, I was going to ask you about that because you sort of you sort of do need to designate a publisher uh, yeah, or yourself as a publisher, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, to get a, an ISBN, I, uh, I guess you can do it under your own name. I, th I think it was easier to just have a publisher name, mm -hmm. either for them or for Amazon. It's it sort of it, it, I forget exactly why, why yeah. I, I ended up doing it. But, it made you, sense at the time. Did you did you buy your own ISPNs? Uh yeah. So you, okay. you can buy those in bulk. Yes. Which I, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I think it's like, like one hundred fifty bucks to get one of them, but maybe two hundred fifty to buy fifteen. So yeah, like ten that. or fifteen or something like that. Yeah. 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 If you're gonna yeah. do a Kindle version, you need a second ISBN anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think you can't use the same ISBN for both a kin for like a, an electronic version and a a print version. They, they do have to be separate numbers. Yeah, that's like, right. That's right. Um, for Amazon or for any any uh, brick and mortar bookstore, that's important. So the last the last quick question I have here. And by the way, if uh, if people wanted to get a hold of you for a book layout, could we give out your uh, your email? Uh, sure. It's just uh, Paul at gmail .com. Okay, and and we'll we'll post that in the in the links below. Hope hopefully we'll make you some money, buddy. Yeah, you can also reach out to me. I have a website for my, my furniture. I'm a, also a part-time furniture maker and designer. And you can you can find my website at urbanprairiedesign.com. When was that gonna come up? I we we've been we've been friends now for for a couple of years. When was that gonna come up? Uh, all, all the furniture with the copper. That's all my wow. All right. Well, we're we're gonna have to talk about that, man. Last question I have for you, the turnaround time for these projects or for for the latest project, the Holocaust series, uh, from from layout to uh, to delivery. Well, the, the printing process took, uh, I think, a week, maybe eight days. Uh, Smart Press is very wow, good it's about really fast, that. yeah. And that included their sending me a hard copy proof, which you know, isn't really required. I mm -hmm. could send a PDF uh, for the art books. I like having the hard copy mm -hmm. for a text-based book is probably less important. In terms of turning a book around, in this case, I had several months to do it, and it was also interrupted by by my dad's. Uh, he broke his hip in the middle of the, the process, spread out the the work a lot longer than I intended to spread it out. But like a book of 150 pages, uh, yeah, a similar number of images, I, I can do that in a week or two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's not a not a huge uh, time consuming process. All right, but, you know, the, it's really like you know the record keeping. It's getting Having everything indexed properly. Yes. And, you know, you know, like in, in the uh, in our first interview, uh, in a in a rehearsal interview, um, you know, if you're an <laughs> artist listening to this and thinking about documenting your work in some way, keep records. You know, photograph your work uh, in progress. Phone it, photograph it when it's done. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, record the measurements, record the media, you know, whether it's sign, I mean, definitely sign it. You know, if you're selling your work or if it's going to end up in the laps of, of your children or some ears, yeah. you know, make their lives a lot easier if it's documented properly. Is a cell phone proper way to photograph you this can do a work? pretty good job with cell phones. Yeah. I, I, I do a mix. A lot of like the in-progress stuff, I might use the cell phone. For the okay. finish, uh, I, I, I have a, a better, I use like a Canon EOS. Uh-huh. But I'm, I'm sure people who are good, but if you have a, a good phone, you can do you can do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Document, though, and you know, keep records. Very nice. Your children will thank you if you have them. <laughs> you know, and, and I just spoke with an artist who has has not documented all the artwork, sizes, media, dates, all those things are, are ex- extremely important for an yeah. artist. Definitely, you need some sort of a database. And, and like, you know, with my dad, half of his work is untitled and undated. So we yeah. do a lot, of, a lot of guesswork involved, a lot yeah. of circa, and a lot of untitled, you know, a photograph of man playing saxophone or you know, a man playing saxophone, something like that. So, yeah, you know, titling them definitely helps, helps with the record keeping process. There you go. Uh, Paul Segedin is the son of artist Leo Segedin. LeopoldSegedin.com is the website. Leo is currently showing at the Noise Cultural Arts Center, 927 Noise Street in Evanston, Suite 200. The telephone number there is 847-328-2100. He is showing now through Tuesday, May 30th. Get over there and see that. Uh, check out that work in in person. I think maybe maybe your dad's work is even more important these days. Would you agree? I think that this Holocaust series turns out to be very timely. Indeed. Um, so uh, I'm really glad we got you know, and, and I, I, I got to hand it to Noise Center when I asked what they wanted. They wanted to give my dad a show. I asked them what they wanted. And they yeah. said something controversial. Yeah. I, I hope we succeeded uh, <laughs> at that. Have Have you also thought about the Holocaust Museum? I, I have a name that's someone to contact there. I haven't gotten around okay. to sending a proposal. But I, I, I would like to leverage the show into, into, into something over there. So keeping our fingers crossed. Absolutely, absolutely. An important, an important show. A great artist and a, and a good guy, uh, as you are, man. All right. Take care, Bill. All right, brother. And if you have any thoughts or suggestions for future guests or topics for Chicago Rights, I'd like to hear from you. Contact me at William Turk, that's William, T-U-R-C-K, all one word, lowercase, at yahoo.com. And please begin your subject line with CWA suggestion. And that will do it for this episode of Chicago Rights. And our website, chicagorights.org, is a resource for your writing success as well. Chicago Writes offers tools and a wealth of information to help you become the writer that you were meant to be. Check out our blog with tips and insights on the art and business of writing by some of Chicago's best-known writers, like marketing tips, the importance of networking, where and how to find better readers, the pros and cons of indie publishing, the art of misdirection, how to keep your readers on their toes, and so much more, 24-7, 365 days a year, at chicagorights.org backslash blog. The Chicago Writers Association is a 501c3 charitable organization. 
To find out more, visit chicagorights.org. Our theme song is Midnight Ride, courtesy of Dino Lovchich. You can find Dino's music, just like this program, on Spotify. Support this podcast by simply clicking the subscribe button to receive notification about all of our upcoming episodes, upcoming events, and programs from the Chicago Writers Association, chicagorights.org.